the most competitive guy. I mean, I would throw in Michael Jordan, Isaiah Thomas, oh, yeah. Kobe Bryant. It's basketball. It can't be, you know, you, you can't overthink it. All right, everybody, welcome in. Another edition of King and Foster on NRM Streamcast. Tom Mazaway in our studios in Farmington. Uh, Terry and Jimmy, of course, in their caves. We'll go to Terry first. T. Foss, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, you guys, um, I was listening to you and Clarence a little bit, and uh, you kind of jostled my brain a little bit, and, and uh, there's some Jordan stuff I want to bring up. Uh, I love today, it. If I could. I love it. What are you kidding? I love uh, hearing your stories. I um, This shows the, the power of Michael Jordan. Um, yep. Hey, well, hold on. we got to say hi to Jimmy first. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, James. J- James in the Kingdom in, in Texas. What's, what's up, up, brother? Hey, what's going on, fellas? Good you know to hear you, hey, you cut me out. You cut me out the intro. <laughs> I got something to say, too. That a boy. Where are you today, Jimmy? You're looking, it's a little more, little, little wackier looking at you today. Where, where are you? I'm still in Dallas. Okay. I just changed locations. I got... I'm going to try to give you a, a, a different look every couple of weeks. <laughs> I say go back to where you were. I liked it better before. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Terry, lead us off, man. Go ahead. No, I was covering the Bulls and uh, Portland Trailblazers final, NBA finals. And uh, one of the guys I wanted to talk to was Craig Hodges. And, you know, Jordan always had a shooter. He had John Paxson, B.J. Armstrong, Steve Kerr. And uh, what I just said, oh, Craig Hodges was his shooter. He always had a guy that could shoot. So anyway, I wanted to talk to Craig Hodges doing the um, – and, and Craig at that time was upset because Jordan would never speak out on social issues. And here's, here's what he said to me. He says, I'll talk to you, but I'm only going to talk about Michael Jordan and his – refusal to speak out on very important issues, which he should be speaking out on right now. So we talked, I interviewed him, he talked about this, and he just dogged Jordan. I said, dude, you know, if I print this, you're going to get cut. And he's like, so what? I don't care. I've had a good career. Wow. So Craig Hodges, to me and a couple other reporters, only spoke about Michael Jordan refusing to speak out on social issues. Craig Hodges got cut after the NBA Finals. Of course. So I can say. Wow. Hey. He didn't care. I mean, it was like, hey, that's the way it is. We've talked about it, man. There are a lot of guys out there, a lot of skeletons out there. If Jerry Krause was alive, this this documentary I don't think would have been what it is. It would have been a little bit different had Jerry Krause still been living and breathing because he's got well, stories to tell. Well, it would be a lot different because – now he would be able to dispute some yep. of the things. Now, our what we understand from this documentary, Jerry Krause got rid of Phil Jackson and in turn got rid of Michael Jordan. Why would he do that? Correct. It, it made wouldn't. no sense at the time. But now he can't defend himself. Right. It's sort of like um, it, it tickles me when somebody shoots a kid and the guy is dead and you only get – one side of the story, and so we believe that. Well, that man can't talk, and this is Correct. the same with Jerry Krause. And I know they did not like him; they didn't respect him. Uh, part of it had to do with tough decisions. Part of it had to do with his stature, but they didn't respect the man. And so, yeah, it's easy to trample over him, and we don't know any different right now. 
Nope. I mean, uh, the guy that, that's really dancing on him right now is Jay Mariotti, who says if you believe Kraus was the reason for the breakup, you're wrong. He thinks it's the owner, Jerry Reinsdorf. Yeah, well, you know what? He might be right. And You know, Jay carries a very big machete himself. Uh, you know, I'm not saying don't believe the guy, but Jay picks sides. He sticks with them. He's very loyal to them. And, uh, you know, he can be a hatchet man himself also. So, I mean, we, we really don't know what the truth is going to be unless uh, we can talk to everybody, which you can't do. So, Jimmy, uh, going back to uh, Terry's story on, on Craig Hodges, uh, what's your take on that? Yeah, I remember, uh, you know, Craig being an integral part of that championship run. Uh, John Paxson. Uh, wasn't the only one that was uh, shooting uh, uh, or hitting threes to to ensure her victory. Craig Hodges was also um, a three-point uh, shooter champion for the league. So um, he was a little bit more than just a um, uh, a cog in the machine. He was a, he was a very a very integral part of of Chicago winning and. His beliefs and him speaking out, I remember at the time, you know, talking to my father, like, you know, why would it be an issue for someone to speak about out about their beliefs and what they believe in? And that's when, you know, he broke down to me the difference between, you know, the game and playing the game and then uh, politics and business and how they kind of, you know, intertwine. So what I remember about Craig Hodges and his time with the Chicago Bulls and and what happened or his tenure with the Bulls, um, you know, I remember a lot of sour um, messages because of, of, of him standing out and, and, and standing up and speaking mm-hmm. out on his beliefs. What we know about today and, and the divide in, in which, you know, we talk about um, Muslims and uh, the relationship with America back then was even, you know, as as taboo uh, then before uh, before 9-11. And, and Craig Hodges being in the forefront, the NBA of an NBA championship team and the direction that the NBA was headed uh, wasn't good business. That's what I remember about Craig Hodges and the Chicago Bulls. Hey Terry, I find it funny that you know you don't even, we haven't even seen Craig Hodges. I don't even think I've seen his shadow in this in this documentary. Am I wrong? No, you, you're not going to see Craig Hodges too because <laughs> he would he would just stir up the pot and and I think Michael Jordan said, "Whoa, what's going on here?" Now Craig Hodges would bring up some very interesting things. They, they don't want this. The NBA doesn't want Craig Hodges. Michael Jordan doesn't want it. The producers don't want it. So there's no way we're going to see Craig Hodges. And the last I heard of him, I thought he was a coach at Chicago State. I think you're right. Something like that. I think you're right. Anyway, yeah. it was a it was a fun Sunday to watch again. What did you, Jimmy? What did you take from uh, the last two episodes? Uh, episodes uh, five and six. Um, that even the greatest or perceived, perceivedly the greatest teams and, uh, individuals and powerful people, um, 
you know, go through the same struggles and battles, you know, um, you know, they, they, you know, they're unsure a lot of times about the future. Um, you know, they have the same type of, uh, doubts and, and misconceptions and, and things that, you know, kind of hold us back. But I think what we're learning about them is that they stuck together and, uh, and through personal perseverance, um, you know, push through some difficult times in for for themselves, uh, fighting demons, uh, fighting uh, relationships and battles. Um, so it's, it's 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 that's what I'm interested in, and I'm learning to see that you know just the everyday life and uh, the things that they had to deal with personally to come together to win it. I found it fascinating that Michael couldn't do anything during a day without at least gambling something on it, <laughs> like pitching quarters mm-hmm. with the security guards at the United Center, Terry. Did you ever bet with Jordan in your days, Terry, or Jimmy? Never. Never, man. <laughs> I, I didn't have that kind of cash or cachet, so that was never going to happen. But you know the thing I took about uh, took out of this was um, the Kobe Bryant uh, part of it. We're doing the NBA All-Star game. Jordan is kind of dogging a little bit about this Laker boy, uh, you know, he doesn't, you know, he makes things happen or, you know, he kind of dogged him a little bit to call him a Laker boy. And they, you know, he wants to take him on and, you know, show him up and everything. So I thought, I thought that was very interesting. Also, it was interesting and good to see Kobe Bryant in this uh, documentary. So I like that part. That leads into you, Jimmy, you and Kobe. I like what I like is 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 Kobe actually uh, kind of giving it up and and saying that you know Jordan made it. Uh, yeah, is is like he wouldn't be who he is yep. without Jordan. That that to me, I've never seen that before. I never heard that before. Um, and coming from his mouth um, was 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 really impressive to me um, because I just know how athletes are. And it's difficult to uh, say someone has given you something or, or you're inspired by that person um, a lot of times. But uh, I commend Kobe for that. It was it was great to see him giving up um, some of his the things that he's been successful for and taking a, a page out of Michael's book and giving him credit for it. What would be yours then, Jimmy? What would be your guy that you really leaned on back then to become the player you became? My father, my father, my brothers, um, you know, I had a tribe. So it wasn't just uh, an individual. Um, I came from a family who who played sports. I have countless uncles um, (laughs) and and, and my brothers, my older brothers who who also played. So I I was always under their shadow. And um, so for 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 me, it was it was my father, who was uh, a hood legend <laughs> at <laughs> South Bend Central, <laughs> coming out coming out of South Bend, um, and uh, my brothers, who when we moved to Texas played at Plano on the West Side, um, and they were known as a dynamic duo. Uh, they were a year apart, so um, they played together and and. Uh, I learned a lot from watching them, following them to the gym, 
and they're 10 and 11. My brothers are 10 and 11 years older than I am. So when they were 18, 19, 20 years old, I'm eight, nine, 10 years old. I'm playing with grown men. And so by the time I was 13, 14 years old, you know, playing with 25, 26, 30, 35 year old men was nothing to me. So that's the uh, route and kind of the uh, hoop education that I got. Terry, take us back to the dream team uh, and put yourself in this story. Take us and tell us what happened after Isaiah got the word he wasn't going to be on that team. Well, when he got the word, um, Isaiah was very hurt. Uh, If you want to tell me from the Isaiah perspective, he was very hurt. Uh, Here in Detroit, we couldn't believe it. And what we we all blame Michael Jordan for that. Um, I personally, I think Scottie Pippen played a major role in this because I know Scottie Pippen hated the Pistons worse than Michael Jordan. But, um, you know, if you want to say it was Jordan, go ahead and, and, and say it. Uh, but I think Pippen played a, a major role. But we we were stunned here in Detroit. And, and when you looked at it, it was basically Isaiah Thomas against John Stockton, who was more deserving to be on that team. Right. And when you look at their body of work, I understand Stockton had more assists and things, but I think a lot of those assists in Utah were fake assists. I mean, he would just <laughs> pass the ball to Carl Malone, and no matter what Carl did, he, he'd get an assist for that. Uh, every time <laughs> I think it was some fake things, but it's true. I mean, Carl could yeah, it is true. Ball, it's true. between his legs, double dribble, and then yep. finally stop and throw it up, throw up a shot. And they said, Carl Malone, assist from John Stockton. I'm like, no, nah, dude, no, nah, that wasn't an assist. When you look at their total body of work, winning championships and having a competitive team and being the leader of a franchise that wanted to win championships, I have to give it to Isaiah because that's what he was all about. John Stockton, fabulous ball player. That was great. But the thing is, Isaiah uh, held a grudge against John Stockton. So every time he played this dude after that, he would just bust him up, light him up, 30, 40 points, because he wanted to show the world I'm the better point guard than John Stockton. Well, let's face it. They would have got along better with Stockton than they would have with Isaiah. And we're talking about Magic. We're talking about Bird. We're talking about Pippen. And then fourth would be Jordan. Because Jordan really, I don't think he would have cared if Isaiah was on the team or not. But those other three players, they cared more. So they probably looked and said, all right, we got one more spot. It's Isaiah or it's Stockton. Obviously, they're going to take Stockton just because they didn't, they wouldn't have to have to have any arguments or whatever. That's they took the easy way out. Let's face it. That's the easy way out. Yeah, Stockton didn't need to play, really. Right. And he wouldn't complain. Isaiah may have said, you know, he may have complained that I need a little bit more playing time. How come I'm not playing as much as these guys? Stockton was like, I got my family there, I got my wife there. I'm gonna play ball when they call upon me, I'll play. <laughs> if they don't, I'm cool with that too. So and Isaiah would have had Daddy Rich as the coach. He would have had his own coach. Right. Yeah, that was true. Jimmy, what's your take on that? Do you think it was Magic and Bird, or do you think it was – I mean, I really believe Jordan on this. I don't think he blackballed him off the dream team. I think it was the other three. I don't think any of them did it. I think it was a decision by USA Basketball. When they made decisions about – 
um, who they want on the team. They look at, and I know personally because I've been through the process, and they look at, they don't always take the best talent. And I'm not, obviously, Isaiah deserved to be on the team. But the way that they are able to circumvent or, you know, get away with it is for the makeup of the team, meaning that if you have a Michael Jordan or Charles Barkley and a Magic Johnson, um, you may not need an Isaiah Thomas. Therefore, you can put a John Stockton in place because he therefore fits or facilitates better than Isaiah in this or with this team or with these guys. That's what that is. That's what I saw. I think they saw that it could have potentially been an issue and they didn't want to uh, blow it up the first time they had the, the dream team, you know, make their their debut and they didn't want to have any kind of controversy. So they made it easy and went with Stockton. And, yeah, and, and it's, 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 it's a simple it's as simple as looking at they got the coach Chuck Daly, but you're not going to take, you know, the point guard that he won with. Right. So. That's how I always viewed it. That's how I saw it. Could Joe Dumars have been on that team, Terry? Yeah, I I think uh, I've heard Chuck talk about this, that he was trying to deflect it by saying that, you know, he didn't want to make a decision between Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars because he had to deal with him the next year. So there was a possibility that Joe could have been on that team. In fact, I think uh, they talked to Joe Dumars about being on that team and then uh, decided, no, we're not going to go in this direction. And Chuck, Daly said he didn't want to make a decision between Isaiah and Joe. So hey, that pretty much that makes sense. Should Chuck have been that coach or should, should it have been Phil Jackson? I think Chuck was the right choice. Go ahead, Jim. I think Chuck, I think Chuck was the right choice as far as, again, you know, you can't go wrong in, in my opinion um, either way, but I think Chuck um, – from his track record, if you look at the bad boys in the view of uh, the USA basketball, he was able to manage uh, a team with different personalities or alpha males and 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 be successful. So um, I think in that in that scenario, Chuck easily beats out Phil. Good point. Um, when you're not a coach, Terry, how about you? Do you think he was the right choice? Chuck Daly built something. Phil Jackson never built anything. Yeah. Chuck Daly fired in Cleveland, came here to Detroit, and people are like, why are you hiring this guy that was fired in Cleveland? What's going on? So he built a team here. He built a championship team. Phil Jackson was like, let me just take all these superstars and win with them at some point. So I, I think Chuck was a good choice. And the other, what was Chuck's reputation? He knew how to manage egos. Uh, that Pitson team could have exploded because you had Bill Lambert, you had Isaiah Thomas, you had Rick Mahorn, you had difficult personalities. And Chuck somehow managed not only to uh, factor or to deal with them, but when there was controversy and they needed to switch direction, when they did switch direction, Chuck Daly was always able to convince these players it was their idea, <laughs> not his. That's, that's a tough thing to do. 
Man, so how would you how would you rate Chuck Daly in in that era of coaches? You got Lenny Wilkins, Pat Riley. Uh, we can go on and on uh, w- with all these great coaches that that were out there at that point. And then you got Chuck Daly. How would you rate him against Phil Jackson and Riley and Lenny Wilkins? I guess you could throw Bill Fitch in there if you wanted. To, whatever. What's your take on that? I think it was Pat Riley number one. And Chuck, number two. Um, I, I still have a problem with uh, Phil Jackson a little bit. And it's not just me, but, I mean, read some of the comments from Red Allback. Red Allback, who was, you know, obviously a great coach with the Boston Celtics, he brought this up too. What has Phil Jackson built? And he says, I mean, you, you can't convince me that um, some of the better coaches are those struggling at 500 get him up to a certain level, and then win a championship. Phil never had to do that. So, right. Um, and he failed in New York. He flat, fell on his face in New York. Yep. And 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 it says a lot about talent, right? <laughs> Regardless of, of how good of a coach you are, you need talent to win. and Or how bad of a coach you are. You can still win because you have talent and and if you're just a good manager. So, you know, there there are a whole lot of factors in there that, uh, um, you know, that we have to consider. But during that era, you know, I agree with you. I think that, um, um, you know, Pat Riley by far he is. Uh, was probably the top um, guy to build something uh, with, with Lakers Showtime. And then to also do it again in, in Miami. How about New uh, York? In New York. Oh, right. In New York, too. So, yeah. you know, three different places um, all been successful under his under his leadership. Absolutely. He's like uh, it's like an NFL. If I wanted to hire someone, you know, 10, 12 years ago, it would have been Bill Parcells. I would have let Bill Parcells come in. He builds you a team. You're going to be you're going to be competitive. Hey, Unless you're what? the Cowboys. Hey, 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 young blood. Guess who Bill Parcells offered to coach? You know who they offered to coach? Who? This team right here. Yeah. You know what that team there said? We're good. We got Matt Millen. We got Marty Morning Wegg. We'll, we'll, we'll be okay. Terry, is that Bill true? Parcells, Denny that... Green and Tony Dungy wanted to coach the Lions, and the Lions said, ah, we're good. You really honestly? You're honestly telling me the truth that that Parcells yeah. wanted to coach here? Yeah, at least we knew he wanted to help the Detroit Lions in some capacity. Oh, oh! See, breaking news. Terry gets all the breaking news. Hey, I you remember. Hey, Maz, you know who else wanted to come here? Who? Don Tony Shula. Dungy. Tony Tunchy. Well, Don Shula was in the organization. I know. I know. God rest his soul. He just passed away at age 90. He was here in 1961 uh, as a defensive backs coach. We let him go. I think we let we probably let Vince Lombardi and a bunch of other Tom Landry go too. No, but uh, I, I, uh, I talked to Tony Dungy's goal between. And he wanted to coach the Detroit Lions because he was from Jackson. Jeez. He thought that there was potential here. There was. And uh, I, I pushed for Tony Dungy to be Lions coach uh, after Wayne Fonts. And then, um, you know, it, it didn't go anywhere. So, But he wanted to coach here. 
We had Scott. Honestly. I had Scott Mitchell on uh, today, earlier today, and you know the former Lions coach, and he he played for Don Shula. So I wanted to hear the Shula stories. He said the biggest regret he has is that they didn't let the Lions stay together with him and and the rest of that team. They he's like they really had something here at that point, and then they switched to Bobby Ross, and Ross wanted to run the ball up the middle, and, and that was the end of him, basically. That's what Scott Mitchell said. Well, I will slightly disagree. Bobby <laughs> Ross lost control of the locker room. Bobby Ross wanted that iron fist. Right. And Wayne Fonts, you know, I, Wayne Fonts Wayne used to have popsicle breaks. So that's how soft he was with these guys. And then Bobby Ross is like, nah, this is yeah. all done. And uh, I thought that's what hurt the Lions more. So do you think if they held Wayne one more year, maybe maybe they go? Maybe maybe they, they continue? No, because the players did not respect Wayne Font. Uh, they they saw through him. He could only take him so far. So, no, I, 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 I think <laughs> he should have gone at that point. All right, fellas, stay tuned. Another edition of King and Foster coming up here on NRM Streamcast. Tom Mazoy in our studios. Thanks to the boys behind the glass, David and Angel. Keep it right here. We got more coming up on NRM Streamcast. King and Foster.